0: Hello everyone and welcome back. We're back in the book of Judges. Today we're going to be looking at chapters 12 and 13. We're going to meet uh, a new judge. Today we're meeting one of the most famous ones, uh, Samson. We hear about Samson being so strong and hear about stories about Samson and Delilah and Delilah cuts his hair and then Samson loses his strength. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But before we jump in, last time we were looking at Jephthah, and Jephthah defeats uh, the Ammonites. You know, he was the guy who was um, sort of put out of society because he was the child of uh, of, of a prostitute. His father had had him illegitimate, and uh, but he was such a great warrior. The people brought him back, begged him to be their leader, and he comes back and now he's their leader and he defeats the Ammonites and um and of course when he comes home he had made this unnecessary vow um and he was vowing to uh give to the Lord whatever came out of his house uh and his dome daughter came out so he gives her up to to God and she never marries um, so, in our story, it's like meanwhile, while Jephthah is defeating the Ammonites, the men of Ephraim, which is another tribe, were called into arms. And they crossed to Zaphon, this is chapter 12, verse 1, and said to Jephthah, why did you cross over to fight against the Ammonites and did not call us to go with you. In other words, they were jealous. They were jealous that um, Jephthah's getting glory for defeating the Ammonites, and of course, it's easy after the victory is already won to say, "Hey, why didn't you call on us?" And you know, we're great too, and you left us out. They were jealous. And look at what they're saying. Instead of saying, thank you for defeating our enemy, they're mad. And and they said, we will burn your house over you with fire. They're they're mad at him. Verse 2, And Jephthah said to them, I and my people had a great dispute with the Ammonites. And when I called you, you did not save me from their hand. And when I saw that you would not save me, I took my life in my hand and crossed over against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? Jephthah may be the illegitimate son, but he's very logical. And he puts it right back on them. Like, you didn't help. Now why are you mad? Verse 4, Then Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. And the men of Gilead struck Ephraim because they said, You are fugitives of Ephraim, you Gileadites, in the midst of Ephraim and Manasseh. And the Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan against the um, Ephraimites. And when any of the fugitives of Ephraim said, Let me go over the men, uh, excuse me, let me go over The men of Gilead said to him, Are you an Ephraimite? And when he said no, they put him to the test. They said, Then say Shibboleth. And he said Sibboleth. In other words, he couldn't pronounce the word right, for he could not pronounce it right. Then they seized him and slaughtered him at the fords of the Jordan. And at at that time, 42,000 of the Ephraimites fell. Okay, so my study Bible says um, Ephraim was jealous, and they were defeated, and they never again played any important role in Israel's history. Ephraim just a, a failed, a failed tribe, just jealous. And then verse seven. Jephthah judged Israel six years, and then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried in his city in Gilead. Okay? It's interesting that he's taken back into the the nation as a legitimate son. And now we come to verse 8, and we meet three more judges. McGee calls them vegetables because they don't really do anything. Do nothing, judges. Elbazon, Elion, and Abdon. Verse 8, after him, Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters and gave in marriage outside his clan. So he had a bunch of children and he married them outside to outsiders. And 30 daughters he brought in from outside for his sons. So he married all his sons to outsiders. And he judged Israel seven years. And then Ibzan died and was buried at Bethlehem. So a guy from Bethlehem that doesn't do very much at all, does he? In contrast to another fellow from Bethlehem, our Lord Jesus, who did everything. And um, he he must have been very wealthy, and he must have thought, you know, the guys around here aren't, uh I mean the, the women around here aren't good enough for my son, so he probably brings people from outside his clan. He's probably a pretty selective fella. But that's all his claim to fame was. He didn't do much. Uh, verse eleven after him Elon the Zebulunite judged Israel and he judged Israel ten years and then Elon the Zebulonite died and was buried at Algelon uh, in the land of Zebulun. Okay. So he didn't do much. And then verse 13, after him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Parathonite, judged Israel. He had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys. And he judged Israel eight years. And then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Parathonite, died and was buried at Parathon in the land of Ephraim in the hill country of the Amalekites. So he had a bunch of kids, too. and they rode on 70 donkeys. It's like 70 cars now for us, but he must have been a wealthy fella, but he didn't do much. We come to chapter 13. Isn't it interesting how very very significant people after their die after they're dead and buried look very very insignificant when they don't do much for God? They think they're doing a lot, but they're just a footnote. Chapter 13, we get the introduction of Samson here, and the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Here we go again, back to the apostasy. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. kind of makes you wonder about what's going on in our world today. With so many nations that are doing evil in the sight of the Lord. God will use that evil to hand them over. To change the hearts of a generation. To punish those. To weed out people. And maybe work in the hearts of people that need to lean on Him more. Perhaps the only way to save that generation is to put them through this hardship. Verse two: There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Mano, and his wife was barren and had no children. You know, God uses the dead end streets. God uses the, the weak to do His work. So He picks sort of a dysfunctional, you know, uh, family situation here where they don't have any kids, but that's no problem for God. An angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you're barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So Nazarites were sort of a a group that they wanted to be extra, extra devout. So like perpetual worshipers. And they could take a vow for a period of time to separate themselves to God. Okay? It was voluntary, and there were three provisions. Don't drink any wine or strong drink. Don't cut your hair. Now, not cutting your hair was sort of associated... As uh, shameful at that point in time. But they didn't mind associating with the shame of long hair. And three, no contact with the dead. Now, they took this oath voluntarily, but notice with Samson, it's not voluntary. It was from the time of his womb until the day of his death. Okay? And so that's this thing. And notice that the angel of the Lord comes to tell them this. Now, a lot of times McGee says, when you see the angel of the Lord, that could refer to Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. Because we see the angel of the Lord. We've seen it several times come. So, again, there's that's for debate. But um, just wanted to point that one out too. So, McGee kind of drops down through the rest of these verses. He doesn't go into the details, but basically the angel of the Lord tells the woman this is going to happen. She tells her husband and and he goes, "Well, where is this guy?" And so, let me know the next time you see him again, and then he comes back to the woman, then she runs to get her husband, and then he says, "Are you, you know, you know, does he, are you the guy that speaks to my wife? And he goes, I am. Kind of echoes the word I am of what God says I am. That's my name, I am. And so, uh, kind of echoes that the angel of the Lord is the preincarnate Christ. But in any way, um, they go over the vows again. And he says, stay with us. You know, we'll fix you something to eat. And he goes, no, I uh, can't stay. But if you give an offering to God, that would be good. And so when he gives the offering... Um, it goes up to heaven and the angel of the Lord goes up with the offering up to heaven. And they fall on their faces and they say, you know, we have we must have seen God. And um, in verse 24, and the woman bore a son, called his name Samson, and the young man grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Manadan between Zorah and Eschatol. Okay, so we... We see now Samson born and uh, a miraculous birth here to a woman who's barren. And uh, we see one thing about it. As the man grew, the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Okay, so what's pushing Samson is the spirit of the Lord. McGee made the point that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's the hair that's the the source of the strength. McGee says it wasn't the hair; it was the spirit of the Lord being in him, with him. And when the hair was cut, the spirit of the Lord left him. It's the spirit of the Lord that gave Samson his strength. He, and McGee says, you know, he didn't—he doesn't see Samson as a muscle-bound hero. He sees somebody who had the spirit of the Lord with him. That was his strength. So we don't need to worry about the physical part. We need to worry about the Spirit of the Lord in our lives too, the source of our strength today. So we'll stop here. We will uh, continue our study tomorrow uh, and, and uh, our study through the book of Judges, and we'll continue our study of Samson. Uh, my study Bible calls him the 12th judge. So all these judges are flawed. None of these judges measure up to the Lord. The only true, perfect judge. But again, Israel goes through a cycle of judges. And then goes through, we'll see, like all these different kings. and um, But the kings and the judges all fall short. Because we have an ultimate judge and an ultimate king. Our Lord Jesus. So, as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you here next time. And as always, we'll keep sweet Emma in our prayers.